Good morning, everybody. It's uh, great to be here. Uh, greetings from Colorado. I come from Colorado. We're doing this experiment this morning. So um, your pastor, Chad, who's an amazing man. By the way, I work with Chad and Carrie and Paul and all these people here. I hope you know how blessed and fortunate you are as a church to have uh, amazing people serve you. Yeah, you're very fortunate. So I decided I'm going to piggyback on that blessing. So Chad is at, at the church where I serve in Colorado right now. So he's blessing, he's blessing our church. You get me, you get gypped this weekend. <laughs> so thanks for taking one for the team. I'm really glad you're willing to do that, okay? <laughs> so you're stuck with me. But greetings from Colorado, although uh, Ohio is my home state. I'm, I'm from uh, Cleveland, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I got out, so yeah. So it's uh, a good thing. I have a friend in, uh, I have a friend in New England. Uh, he tells me one of the delicacies that he likes to do is he loves to go to a restaurant and he orders this thing in New England, codfish, caught right out of the, uh, right out of the water. He says there's nothing, he says it's like ice cream, just eating codfish that was just caught. He says it's awesome. Well, they wanted to create a market all across the world for this, all across the country. So what they did, the fishermen, is they took the cod and they froze it and shipped it to restaurants in Kansas City. Dallas, all over the place. They found out when you ship cod and it's frozen, it doesn't taste as good as when it's live. So there's no market for it. So they go, wow, we got to figure that out. So what they did is they bought little aquariums. And what they did is they put uh, the codfish in the aquariums and they shipped them live in the aquariums. Found out when they got to the restaurants, though, the fish were just kind of lazy and just mushy. And they didn't taste as good as when they were caught live. So they says, we got to figure this out. And so here's how they ship codfish all across the country today. True story. They take an aquarium and they put codfish in it. And the natural adversary of the codfish is the catfish. So in every aquarium, they drop a catfish in. And it keeps those codfish swimming real fast. And when they get to the restaurant, they're live and vibrant. And they taste really, really good. <laughs> here's what I have found out in life. That God doesn't want any of us to get soft and mushy. He doesn't want any of us to get soft and mushy. So what God does is he drops in our tank a catfish to keep us going, to keep us alive and vibrant so we don't get bored and we don't get stale and we don't get mundane. Because God loves me so much, he's dropped like four or five in mine, just because just, just he cares about me. We're going to talk today from Genesis chapter 49. You're doing this series in Genesis, and here's the story of Genesis 49. That God is, God is bringing... Jacob's 12 sons together, and now he's going to bless them. They're going to become the 12 tribes of Israel. And here's a lesson of chapter 49 that we're going to talk about this morning, that with every blessing comes a burden. I can guarantee if we look through those leaves in there that all of us gave thanks for the great blessings in our life, every blessing has a burden with it. It's hard. But those burdens are there designed by God to keep us fresh. And so what, Je what Jacob's going to do is he's going to call his 12 sons together, and he's going to bless everyone. These are supposed to be the children of God. He says, Jacob, through your family, through these 12 tribes, all the world is going to be blessed through you 12 people. And then he's going to bless them. And it seems odd. His blessings are weird. Some of them look like curses almost. But what Jacob is doing is he's telling this dysfunctional family, you stay close to God in the midst of your dysfunction, and God will use you. God will use you. Your burdens are there to help you with your blessing. And how you deal with your burden will determine whether your blessing is a source of frustration or a source of fulfillment. How we deal with the burdens in our life will determine whether, when all is said and done, 
We leave a message for people <laughs> or we leave a mess for people. It all, it all is contingent upon how we handle the burdens of our blessings. Okay? So I'm going to go fast. Chad's got me on a very short leash. That clock is ticking. Okay? All right? So uh, it's going to be a little interactive. Okay? I, so I know you might not be used to that, but I have to in Colorado. Marijuana is legal out there. And so <laughs> my church comes in all burned out. So i got to keep them alive. Okay? All right? So... So it's going to be a little interactive. Okay, it's just by habit. It has nothing against you guys, but it's just something I have to do in Colorado. It's a burden I have to live with. Chad is shooting cannons and stuff in the congregation. I got, I got text last night. Who is this guy? It's like, wow, all right, whatever, okay? But that's what we're doing, okay? So Genesis chapter 49, we're going to go. We're going to, we're going to talk about Jacob blessing his toys at the end of his life. And this is a poem. So he thought this through. This isn't just words off random off the top of his head. This is a poem. If you have your Bible, you could see there's different, how it's spaced different than prose. This is a poem. He thought it out. So we'll start with the poem today, then we'll end with the poem, and then we'll go home and watch the Bengals. Okay? All right? Fair enough? Okay? So um, he t- here's, here's the 12 tribes. Jacob had 12 sons from four different women. Okay? From four different women. He, he, he wanted to marry Rachel. You guys heard this story. But uh, Rachel, he was deceived and ended up marrying Leah. He never really loved Leah. Leah was an unloved, unwanted, unsupported woman, and yet she becomes the source of the greatest blessings of the tribe of Israel. Isn't it amazing how God takes the despised stuff of the world and uses it to bless the world? Isn't that amazing how God does? takes the broken, the unwanted stuff, and he uses it in the biggest way. Leah would give birth to six of his kids, six of the twelve. She would give birth to six of them. Two of them would be most prominent, really, Judah and Levi. We'll talk about them in just a second. And then he would give, and then when, so she, this is how she gave. She gave the first four. We'll talk about those four today. And then, and then, then, then Rachel wanted to have children because it was really important in those days. She couldn't, so she gave him a concubine. It was common back in the Middle East. This isn't an affair or a fling. These were kind of almost committed as wives. And, and Bilhah would give him Dan and Naphtali. Then, then Leah says, well, I don't want her to get ahead of me. If, if she gets ahead of me, then Jacob will kick me out. So she gave her concubine, her maid, and she gives and Zilpah, and Zilpah gives them Gad and Asher. Then Leah, God's opened up Leah's womb again, the Bible says, gave him two more, Issachar and Zebulun. And then Rachel, finally the love of Jacob's life, Rachel gives birth to the last two kids. That's the chronological order of which they were born. Are you all tracking with me so far? It's a chronological order. When he blesses them in chapter 49, he doesn't bless them in a chronological order. He blesses them by their moms. You all with me? So today we're going to talk about the first four. They are the chronological ones, okay? We're going to talk about Reuben. We're going to talk about Simeon, Levi, and Judah. And we're going to learn four lessons from this dysfunctional family that I think might be appropriate for us, people who are carrying the blessing of God that God wants to use us in the world, okay? Four people. We're going to go fast this morning. So if you're ready to go, say, I'm ready. Oh, good. You guys are learning. Okay, first is Reuben, okay? Not the sandwich, the son, okay? All right? And here's what he says about Reuben, okay? Get this, okay? He says this, Reuben, you're my firstborn. That's important to know, firstborn, because the firstborn got a double blessing, a double blessing. Here's how it works. If he had, follow this real quickly. If he had nine kids and the dad was going to die and he had $100,000, here's what they would do back then. They would take the nine kids and just add one more. There wasn't a kid, just made the portion instead of nine, made it ten. And then the firstborn would get a double portion. You all with me? So in this situation, the firstborn would get how, many, how much money? 
See, some of you are with me. 20,000, okay? All right, okay, 20,000. The firstborn always got double portion, double inheritance for the kids. He goes, you're my firstborn. Back then, they thought the firstborn son had more might and had more strength. You're the beginning of my might and my strength. The excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. However, Reuben, you're unstable as water. You're not going to excel. You were meant to excel. You're the firstborn. You're supposed to be the prominent one, the one who gets the double blessing. But you're not going to excel because you went up to the father's bed and you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Here's a quick story. You guys have went through Genesis. I assume you know a lot of this stuff. When finally, when Rachel gave birth, she gave birth to her last son, Benjamin. And when she gave birth to Benjamin, she died in her birth, giving birth to her last son. Jacob, Rachel was in love with Jacob. So Jacob just loved Rachel, so he was so heartbroken, he took her back to her hometown to bury her. And while he was burying Rachel, Reuben slept with Jacob's concubine. Now, in the 21st century in America, in a sex-crazed society, we may think that's a sex kind of thing. It wasn't really a sex thing. It was a power play, is what it was. It was a power play. It was saying, I'm going to get another heir from my dad's concubine that shows that I'm kind of more powerful than him. It was a move to undermine the power of his dad. He did it in secret. However, all of us know you can't do things in secret. Eventually, it gets exposed. (laughs) And he gets exposed. He gets exposed. And when he gets exposed, finally, this is what his dad says. Reuben, because you tricked me behind my back, you're a deceptive man. You can't control your impulses. Your greed for power. Now you've lost your privilege to rule. You were supposed to rule, but you can't handle it. Isn't it amazing sometimes that the people who have the most still want more and end up losing what they have? Isn't it amazing? Here's the lesson from Reuben's life I want you to know. Here's a lesson. A lot, a blessing, can be a turn into a little if we're not grateful for what we have. That's a good lesson today. That's a good lesson. Chad tells me this is an affluent church. I don't know if it is, but Chad said it is. Okay, It's good for affluent people who are very blessed to be grateful for what you have because there's a tendency to want more. And in our reach for more, we lose what we have. It's a great study done from the Northwestern University in Chicago. Studied Olympic athletes, and here's what they discovered. That bronze medal winners are happier than silver medal winners. It's a fascinating study, and here's the reason why. Silver medal winners are always upset and obsessed. What could I have done better to get to the gold medal? Where the bronze medal winners are just saying, man, I'm just happy to be on a medal stand. And it's a good lesson for us, isn't it? The lesson of Reuben. Had everything. By the way, Reuben's tribe becomes almost insignificant. Nothing great comes out of Reuben. Nothing. No judge, no king, no prophet, nothing. Basically insignificant. Woo! Wow, that's a good lesson for us. Let's go to the next two. It's a tag team, okay? They're Simeon and Levi. Okay, Simeon and Levi. They're brothers, okay? And so he gathers them together. Okay, you think they're next to heir apparent because Reuben messed up. So here's what he says to Simeon and Levi. He says, your brothers, instruments of cruelty you are in your dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger, we'll talk about it, they slew a man. And in their self-will, they hamstrung acts. They tortured animals just for the pleasure of it. Cursed be their anger, for it's fierce. 
and their wrath. It's cruel. I will divide them and scatter them. They won't get any land. Reuben and Levi will get no land because of their cruel anger. Here's what they did. They had a sister named Dinah. Dinah got raped by a guy named Shechem. Simeon and Levi found out. So they said they went to Shechem and said, you love, you, you love our sister? Oh, man. It's amazing what men will do for women. But that's another message, okay? Um, and, and it's amazing. So he says, here's what I want you to do. Shechem was a leader of the Hivites. And he says, so if you want my wife, if you want my sister as your wife, here's what I want you I want all your men to get circumcised. Yeah. Okay? So all the men get circumcised. And while they're recovering from their procedure, Simeon and Levi go there and wipe out every male in the tribe. Brutal. Brutal. Kill them. Fierce like animals. And Judah says, here's the deal. Because you did that, you've lost your privilege. You've lost your blessing. It's amazing what anger will do to people, isn't it? It's amazing. It's amazing the power of anger. It's amazing. Anger is a good thing. In Ephesians chapter 4, there's a command in the Bible. It says, be angry. I never heard that as a kid. I was like, be nice, be quiet, be a milk toast guy, okay? But there's a verse in the Bible that says, be angry. There's some stuff in the world we should be angry at. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, you better believe it. Man, I'm from Cleveland. There's a lot of stuff to be angry about, okay? To be angry. But watch this. Here's my thing. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't mess up. Be, there's some stuff to be angry. And then it says this. And don't let the sun... Go down on your anger. There's some stuff to be angry about. It's an unjust world we live in. But when you pitch your head on the pillow at night, let it go. Let it go. The next verse is this. Be angry. Don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Here's the next verse. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Oh, my. I wonder if we hold on to anger, if we give the devil an opportunity to wreak havoc in our life. I've seen it. I've seen fathers alienate their sons. I've seen bosses wreck their business. I've seen pastors destroy churches. The power of anger is unbelievable, isn't it? So here's the lesson. The lesson is a little anger can be a lot. Let it go. Let it go. Don't you think it's good to let it go? There's some of us today who are angry about stuff, probably rightly so. We probably have a right to be angry. It's a crazy world. But you know what? The Bible would say let it go. Because if you let that harbor in you, it's going to wreak havoc in our lives. And when it does, we lose the great position that God has for our life. Simeon and Levi, they, they messed up. But, but, but I just want to show you this. Levi, Levi, when, when later on his, his, his family would grow, later on in Exodus, when, when remember Moses was up at that mountain getting the Ten Commandments and Aaron was making a golden calf and all the people were worshiping the golden calf, and Moses came down and says, what are you doing? You, you turned your back on God so quickly. It was the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi said, hey, you can't do that. We're going to be loyal to Moses. And Levi was the only tribe that stuck up for Moses. And Moses says, because you've done that, you're going to be blessed. Now, I'm going to be, even though you don't have any land, you're going to become the priests. You're going to be the caretakers of God's stuff in our country. Isn't that amazing? So here's people that are cursed, and they turn the curse into a blessing. Here's the lesson of Levi. Failure is just an event. Don't quit. God has a special way of taking curses and turning them into blessings if we don't let the curse take us down a bad path. Are you all with me this morning? Very important. I know so many people that have messed up, and God's 
specializes in taking messed up people and using them by his grace to be a message to the whole world. That's what he did with Levi. Not only did he mess up, but he turned around and God says, I'm going to take you from this place of being messed up, and you're going to be one of the most privileged tribes ever in the country of, in the country of Israel. You're going to represent God to people. There are some people here today, maybe, I don't know, my church has a lot of them, who've derailed their life, went off the tracks. They're a mess. I always say, you know what? Every miracle in the Bible begins with a problem. <laughs> if you've got a problem today, if you're messed up, oh boy, you're in a great place. You're a candidate to be a miracle for God to use. That's cool. Well, short lease, we've got one more guy, then we've got to get out of here, okay? Let's take a look at Judah. Let's take a look at Judah. Judah's the fourth-born son, okay? Judah was a mess. Judah had a proclivity not to like his people, so he always hung out in foreign lands. You weren't supposed to do that when you're God's people. Stay pure, stay separate among them. And not only did he have a proclivity to be with people who weren't of his tribe, he had a penchant to be with women, <laughs> foreign women, so to speak. So uh, he, 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 he married a foreign woman. That was bad. Had three sons. And then one of his sons died. He was supposed to give his son's wife an, uh, a husband because that, then you needed uh, an heir. And it was his job as a father to provide her, and he didn't do it. He promised her, I'd get you a husband, but he never did. And so she held him to it. And so one day she dressed up as a prostitute and seduced him. He didn't know it was her. And then finally... She was pregnant and she exposed him. She says, you know what, you're the father because she had some of his belongings. You're the father. He goes, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, I messed up. Bad. And in Genesis chapter 38, he kind of repents. He kind of says, you know what I did? I messed up. You're more righteous than I am. Oh my goodness. Thank you for exposing me. Thank you for that. And he turned his life around after being exposed from his mess up. And here's what Jacob says to him. He says, Judah, who, who, you are whom your brothers shall praise. Judah means praise. By the way, the name Jew comes from the tribe of smart group here. Okay, all right, okay. Your hand's going to be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp, just a little lion. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter, the sign of power. That's what that means. The sign of power is not going to depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. It's a very controversial passage. Most people believe it's a reference to Jesus until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of his people. Let me just translate what that means. Judah, you're going to be the lion of this country. All praise goes to you. Simeon, Reuben messed up, Simeon kind of messed up, Levi messed up, although he got kind of redeemed. He's going to be the priest, but you're going to be the kingly tribe. You're going to be the one who rules over the whole country. And from you, Judah, keep your eye on the tribe of Judah. Keep your eye on the family of Judah. Because from the family of Judah, the whole world is going to be blessed because it's going to come a real lion. You're just a lion's whelp. But from you is going to come the lion of the tribe of Judah who will rule the world Forever. He's speaking of. Yeah, good. Smart group here. Okay, all right, good. Okay. Keep your eye on Judah. Man, the guy was the guy was a mess. Everything he did in his in his younger years, he messed up. But when he got exposed to his mess, he turned it around. So here's the lesson of Judah. Here's the lesson of Judah. Every setback is a setup for a comeback. You gotta love that. You gotta love that. Every setback is a setup 
for a comeback. And so here's the whole message of, of, of what Judah and really the whole, the, the whole family of Israel. Here, 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 here it is. Watch this. Uh, a mess. A mess. This whole family was a mess. If you take a mess and add the cross to it, the grace of God, and give it some time, time is called, you take a mess, give it some grace, give it a little time, and it becomes a message to the world. <laughs> Sounds a lot like the church, doesn't it? Huh? Huh? I'm not fooled by you guys. You look good oh, today. You look good, but I know you're a mess. I know if I scratch beneath the surface, I'd find some messes here, okay? You got a beautiful church. We got a dump, okay? All right? Everything's beautiful around here, but I'm not fooled. I've been, I've been around the block. If you scratch just enough, you'll find a mess. Nothing to be ashamed of. We're all a mess. That's what the Bible says. We're all a mess. But you take that mess and you add a little grace to it. And give it some time. <laughs> Your life becomes a powerful message to the world. And even though these 12 tribes were a dysfunctional family, it would be through that country that God would bless the whole world through Jesus Christ. And as I look at this mess today, I got good news. It's through these people here that God will bless the city of Cincinnati. Yeah, that's what it's all about. So don't forget that. Don't forget that. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you are in your life, don't forget it. And so I close with two things, and then I'm done. Okay? Brandy, did I meet you yesterday? That's Brandy? Okay. So, Brandy, um, you, were, you greeted me very nicely last night, so I want to give you something just because I'm a nice guy. I have $100 here. Okay? Okay? Okay, you want it? Just wait. Just be patient. Okay? All right? Okay? <laughs> Let me tell you about this $100 before I give it to you. Okay? It was given to me by my brother for my birthday at the beginning of the month. So this $100 comes from Cleveland. Okay? Do you still want it? It's from Cleveland. You still want it? You still want it from Cleveland? Just wait. Just be patient. Okay? Okay? My birthday is the beginning of November, so it sat around unemployed for weeks. You still want it? Okay? My brother actually sent me $200 bills, but I lost one last night here at church. Okay? So this $100 bill is divorced divorce because it came as a couple okay it came as a couple do you still want it okay let me tell you something else about this hundred dollar bill it's been used abused kicked around and spat upon okay it's messed up this hundred dollar bill has been messed up it's been in dirty places last night for yesterday morning for breakfast it was in bob evans in a greasy greasy place really dirty places this hundred dollars has been do you still want it so used abused doesn't look that good you still want it yeah, why do you still want it? Because it's $100. Because it's worth something. Yeah. Okay, so it's yours. Are you, are you okay, okay. All right. So here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. You tithe that $100, okay? All right, okay. <laughs> She's going to take that $100 no matter what it looks like because it's worth something. You all with me? There's some people here who've been used, abused, divorced, kicked around, been in some dirty and dark places, messed up, done some stuff shouldn't have done. But I want you to know as children of God, you never lose your value. That's why the Bible says walk worthy. Walk worthy. Walk worthy of the upward call of Jesus Christ.
on your life. I close. We started with a poem. I close with my favorite poem. It goes like this. It was battered and scarred and the auctioneer thought. It was barely worth his time to waste his time on the old violin. Who starts a bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, now two, only two. Two dollars will make it three. Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. In the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and dusted off the old violin and tightening up all the strings, he played a melody that was pure and sweet. (laughs) As sweet as the angels sing. The music ceased and the auctioneer said in a voice that was quiet and low, what is my bid for the old violin as he held it along with the bow? A million dollars? Wow, who'll make it two? Two million, who'll make it three? Three million once, three million twice. Going and gone, said he. And the people cheered, but some of them did not understand. What changed its worth? And the man replied, the touch of the master's hand. And many a person with life out of tune, battered and marred with sin, is auctioned off cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and they travel on. They're going once, they're going twice, they're going and they're almost gone. But the master comes, the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of the soul and the change that is brought by the touch of the master's hand. You got that? Horizon, the master's got his hand on you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how messed up you are, God take delights in taking messages, taking a mess and turn them into messages so the world can know that there's hope and light and life in Jesus Christ, no matter how desperate this world is. There's always hope because the master wants to use his people. Horizon, Walk worthy of the call that God has put on your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being a great God. Thank you. I pray for those to this morning who have gone off the path. They've gone off the rails. They're wondering as they wallow in guilt and shame if there's a purpose for their life. Remind them that you're a God of redemption. (laughs) Remind them that there's no such thing as a lost cause. Remind them that you're a God who specializes in taking messes and turning them into messages. There are other people here who are just going along. Life is good. Not really excited about things, just going to work, doing their job. Remind all of us who are in that space this morning that there's a higher calling on our life. You want us to live life with purpose and with passion. Rise us up from the doldrums of life and lift us to be the people of God you want us to be. And there's others here who are walking the path, doing their thing, following you. For those of us this morning, I pray, Father, help us not to be weary in doing well. For in due season, there's a harvest we're going to reap for being the people of God. Wow, thank you for that. There's hope for everyone here this morning. Father, I pray that we would be the people of God you want us to be, to bring hope and light to a world that desperately needs it. And for that, Father, we give you thanks for the privilege it is to partner with you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Carl.
Thank you for coming halfway across the country to remind us how valuable we are to God and spending this Sunday with us. And thank you for giving an hour of your time in worship together. If you came prepared to give, offering boxes are out in the hall to your left. If you have any questions about Horizon and what's going on here, we would love to chat with you about that. Please drop by the hearth room, third door on the left. And I want you to enjoy a lot of turkey this week, and we'll see you back next weekend. Take care. Thanks for coming.